Hey guys, welcome to the Rewired Life podcast. Doing a Zoom call today while we uh, are on quarantine. Uh, thank you, COVID-19. But I uh, got Mike DeHaan on here. Second time on the podcast for Mike. I think there'll be many more to come. Fascinating fella. If you missed his first one, go back and listen to it. It's in our library. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, on Apple Playlists and podcasts, all that good stuff. So uh, Mike and I are just kind of kind of jammed today. We got a couple questions that came in over Instagram and thought uh, Mike would be a fun guy to chat about some of this with. So we've got two of them and we'll just kind of take them one at a time. The first one is looking at the difference in what it's like to train for general fitness and what it's like to train for competition. So that'll be one we'll jam on. Uh, and then a second one that was, oh, it was a really good question that came in as well. What is something the average fitness goer should be doing more of and something they need to stop doing? So that's, that's at least part of what we'll talk about today. But I don't know. It seems like anytime Mike and I start talking, we just kind of let it, the conversation go and usually ends up being pretty entertaining. So expect, expect a little bit of anything. So there we well, go. At least we think it's entertaining. Whether anybody else will, I guess we'll find out. I like it. Let, let's start with this, Mike. Uh, what's life like for you at the moment under quarantine? Oh, man, that's that's kind of a interesting question, I guess, because, you know, partly it's it's almost like business as usual, I guess, because, uh, you know, I was already working remotely before, so not a whole lot has changed um, in terms of, like, my day-to-day schedule. I think the main thing that's changed is that we were – you know, on a sort of a rocket with how everything was going and progressing and all of a sudden the rocket hit the moon and now yeah. it's completely stopped. <laughs> yeah. you know? So, you know, like, like any other real estate stuff has completely halted just because it's, you know, we can't get funding. We can't do a lot of sort of stuff. Um, a lot of my web development stuff has completely halted because most people I was working with were small businesses yep. and, you know, they're not exactly spending surplus money right now. Um, Madison's able to work her normal gig remotely. So that's good. Sweet. Um, she's kind of been our, our rock with all the stuff since, you know, my income's kind of stopped, um, you know, and to make things more fun as well, where, you know, our, our sort of backup plan has always been the rental properties, but, you know, not the state saying that people don't have to pay rent if they don't want to. Yeah. So, you know, we've, we, we were fortunate that we have mostly good tenants. We have a couple that are being a little bit malicious. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's, that's come to the territory. I think we're going to get, be getting rent on 11 out of 14 properties. So, I mean, like that, it could be worse. That sounds like a, a decent worse. percentage at the moment. I don't, I mean, I don't know, but that sounds decent. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, it it's, it, it'll pay the bills. Sure. Right? So that's, that's, you know, we're not losing money. So yep. that's what matters, but we just gotta, you know, go back to our, our sort of mind mindset that we had a couple of years ago when I first walked from my engineering job and I was making no money. Yep. Um, and, you know, just be, be a little smarter, spend, spend less money on frivolous stuff, which actually isn't too hard right now. Cause there's nothing frivolous to spend money on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything's closed. So yeah, <laughs> you can't even deck out your home gym. There's no equipment available anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know we've taken to building furniture. I'll, uh, I'll send you a picture a little later of, of the like cabinet that we're building. Oh, just nice. we're like, Let's just do a craft. Yeah, <laughs> dude, for real. We, uh, you know, I think similar for us, um, still, still working, obviously just in a, a different setting. Uh, you know, the daily schedule's obviously been completely flipped upside down. Um, but still, you know, working, uh, obviously trying to keep the ship driven with rewired, take care of members, 
create content, create coaching. Uh, and, you know, obviously like ride out this storm, take it as a chance to kind of pivot and know that when this does lift, cause this, this will end eventually, you know, uh, like there's a day coming when we will get back to a bit more of a normal, but trying to also take this time as like wanting to go out of this different than I came into it of like on all different aspects, you know, even specifically like as a, a husband and a father, business owner, friend, all of that, like just looking at, okay, what are some things I want to cut out of my life or add in and, you know, like little, little things like that. So it's, I don't know. I think trying to look at it through the unique eyes of like, this is a hardship. It's stressful. There's a lot of risk and exposure, but it's also a time of like, Hey man, like take advantage of it in whatever ways we possibly can. So that's, I feel like I'm stuck somewhere in between that, but I feel like you can probably relate to this. Like most entrepreneurs, your day is kind of like a roller coaster more than just a steady staircase of like, this is awesome. We're going to be great. And then like, Oh my God, I don't know what to do. And then, okay, we'll be fine. This is going to, you know, like you just kind of go like that. But at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm, I'm confident we're going to be okay. You know? Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, it's it. I don't, I don't know. I feel like I've never had so much time in my life, but I've never been just like so unmotivated because I can't like see instant results like I could before. Like everything's so longer. Totally. Uh, yeah. What you said though, that's, I think that's the right mind frame to have though. You know, cause if you think about it, never, I guess really in your adult life, have you had forced downtime, I guess. Right. And you know, most people, you know, have never had forced downtime like this. And, you know, because you can't really, you know, do much outside of like your normal job. Um, well, I mean, you know, and you just have so much time around it's not commuting and doing all that. It's like if you don't take advantage of that and better yourself in some way, I feel like that's just a missed opportunity. Yeah. You know, because never again are people going to have months and months. Right. Where they're just at home way more, you know, like, like whether that's bettering yourself like mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Right. You know, your relationship. I, I don't know. I agree, man. It's interesting. It's like, I'd probably be guilty of this too, but I think like the common thought for a lot of people is like, oh, if I just had more time, I'd be able to get so much more done and accomplish things I really want in life. And I think this is also helping me realize like some of that's true, like to a little bit of an extent, but for the most part, it comes down to like discipline and motivation of like, Mm -hmm. well, we have a lot of time now. And like, I even think oh, just in the fitness scheme of things, right? Like for a lot of people, they're like, well, if I had time to work out all day, I'd be like ripped out of my mind. I'm like, well, you do yeah. right now, but like, are you actually getting ripped or not? You know, is like the real question of like, it just comes down to that discipline of, like you said, like not necessarily having a lot of motivation, but also recognizing mm-hmm. like, you got to take advantage of this margin and time that's available because it's not a normal thing. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, definitely. But, yeah. yeah, and that's, that's a good segue there too. You know, I, I agree. To the, the fitness side, um, the motivation of you know training to compete versus training recreationally. Yeah, it's, know, an, so interesting, it's an interesting what's, topic. What's your first initial thought? On training to compete or just training for, you know, we'll call it recreation, general fitness, whatever. Um, my initial thoughts, this is like, I, I would say I've definitely done both. Um, I'm very much in a season where it's more about just general fitness, uh, mm-hmm. not competing like at all. I did, you know, I guess I did the one ton challenge recently. 
uh, where you go lift a bunch of weight and try and have your maxes be more than a ton. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. But even then it was like, it still felt like more general fitness than actually competing. I was like, I just like my body likes to be strong and do resistance training. Um, well, something like that as well. I mean, that was a, you know, a recreational competition that you did on kind of a a one-time basis. Right. So I think that would still fall into the recreational camp. Yeah. It's like training to go do like the wine and run 5k, you know, versus (laughs) training to go, you know, compete in like the Boston marathon, you know, or training, to you know actually try and podium at like multiple local events versus just like oh the one one is happening i'm gonna go do it because i think it would be fun for sure uh, yeah uh what do you think the the main like i would say indicator that someone is training for competition like the indicator for like, like that you see in the individual. Yeah. Like it's okay. It's very clear that you can make the case that this person is actually training for competition. I think the, the, it comes down to the mindset in mm. my mind, right? Where you are getting to a point where it's no longer, you know, the only thing that really matters to you is, is time reps, you know, numbers. And you start to set aside things like your social life, you know, or your personal health or, you know, really anything that is outside of that focus sort of goes on the back burner. Um, you know, and I I know that I've fallen into that, um, you know, back in my very competitive, uh, years, sort of like right before we moved to Spokane, just moved to Spokane where, you know, everything that I ate was calculated. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, even when we were doing social stuff, I was extremely conscientious about what I was eating. Um, you know, when I went and I exercised, even if my body was feeling bad, you know, like, or like, I know I had some like, like little injuries, things like that. I would push it because I had to, you know, get that intensity. And at least I felt like, you know, to sort of get the numbers that I wanted to see and to keep progressing. Um, you know, and then when you're doing the, the workouts, it no longer is a mindset of just like, I'm going to, you know, get through this, but it's, you know, I'm going to be the person next to me, even if that leaves me unable to drive home, right? <laughs> you know, and it, it's, it, you know, you say it like that, it sounds like a, a crazy person sort of mindset, but I mean, honestly that, especially if you're going to compete in the sport of CrossFit or powerlifting, that's kind of what it takes. Yeah. You know, you can see it in a lot of those people when they go onto that competition floor, it's like, Oh dang, like they're, they'll, they'll you know, they'll smile to the crowd. And then when they get in the zone, it's like, they're ready to kill someone. Yes. Totally. You, know, you kind of have to have that. Yeah. Yeah, I would say – I think you bring up some really strong points there. Do you think uh, – was has there been another time in your life where you were really in that training to compete zone outside of that season? Uh, for me personally, no. Even growing up playing recreational uh, – I guess playing competitive sports, you know, playing soccer and all that, I was never, I guess, as – competitive in that sort of mindset where it sort of ruled my life. It was kind of an activity that I did. Yeah. Um, but with the, the health and fitness space, I guess like the, you know, competing in, in the fitness sports world, um, you know, I, that was the first time I really sort of encountered that myself. Um, you know, and like, I mean, I, I remember doing like training drills and stuff for soccer. I would never really get a hundred percent just cause I hated it. Oh, sorry, as my dog barking there. Um, but, uh, you know, like with the, you know, with CrossFit, you didn't really have a choice if you really wanted to be competitive. Right. 
even if you're if you're not into it at all or things are just not flowing you kind of have to give it 100 otherwise you're not going to see results right and you know you have to be willing to to do that no matter how much you don't feel like going to the gym and working out yeah right so how have you seen like when so when you were in that season i would say it was still it was still when like the local athlete with hopes of maybe making it to regionals was like still a reality, right? So yep. looking like looking at that season and now knowing just in the world of CrossFit, right? Like, okay, there are no more regionals. Uh, there's, you know, the open, there's winning your country uh, and there's, you know, winning sanctional events, things like that. Uh, do you feel like there's been a really big shift in the amount of people who are actually competing at the sport of CrossFit? Uh, has, do you think that number's dropped down, stayed the same, gone up? Oh, it's definitely dropped down. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think a big reason it's dropped down too is because, you know, it's no longer community competition. You know, back like 2014, 2015, you know, like a decent gym athlete, you know, could, could go and do an open workout and they could post like a, a top 100 score. Yeah. Right. You know, they could actually compete. They could, they, you know, you were, you were seeing your name up there next to, you know, Dan Bailey. Right. Right. But now that doesn't happen, you know, unless you're a legitimate freak, which there's, there's very few around, um, you know, like there's, there's less incentive for people. It's just not as fun to see yourself as 11,457th in the world. As it is, yeah, they're not you know, they're not handing out trophies for that anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, So, do you well, think? Uh, I mean, you you've had a, a pretty good perspective of you know you've been a we'll call it a competitive CrossFit athlete. Um, you've also coached. You've been in this sport since the early years. You've you've transitioned now. Uh, I would say to having a different purpose for training. Um, what do you think has been your biggest shift in why you train the way you do now compared to not training for co- specifically competition anymore? Um, I mean, like the, going back to the mental thing, that's been the biggest shift for me. That's honestly been the hardest, um, you know, not only just in my mindset and how mindset, how much I push, but also just in what I need to be doing. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, you've, you've heard there's a, it was a common sort of CrossFit, phrase that went around for a while that was like the needs between you know a 20 year old athlete and an 80 year old grandparent where they say vary by degree but not by uh, do you remember the exact yeah, same was, uh, like, by intensity? it's not degree but a form um it's coming to me it'll it'll pop up in my head but yeah that yeah. the needs of the olympic athlete and our grandparents uh vary by you know degree but not essentially like function like yeah, we all need to, to be doing the same thing, just at a different intensity level. Correct. Yeah, like um, the example of like everybody I mean, needs to squat, right? Like exactly. That, that's right. a functionality of life, and the body's design and needs to do it. The Olympic weightlifter might snatch four hundred plus pounds, but Grandpa also needs to know how to squat down to the toilet. So, for anybody listening, mm-hmm. that's really what that quote represents, which is, I'd say, is true. Yeah, well, I'd say to an extent is true, but I feel like over, you know, 10, 15 years, that got taken to the point that, you know, they feel mm-hmm. like a 70 year old person should be able to still do an overhead squat, right? Which I strongly disagree with. Yeah, I'd, I'd, um, be, I'd agree I, with you on that. You know, I used to really firmly believe that and mm. like realizing that that's not necessarily the case, even from a competitive athlete to a recreational athlete, 
um, has been probably the biggest mindset that I've seen is something that people who are making that shift really need to, you know, be accepting of, you know, if you're looking to be a recreational athlete, you really need to squat 500 pounds anymore. Right. Realistically, like sure. It looks cool. Sure. You feel cool. But like, if you look at the wear and tear that does on the, you know, an average person's body, do they really need to do that? You know, or do they really need to be, you know, maxing out their snatches every week? You know, just like putting that sort of a risk on their body, especially if they don't have pristine movement. Right. You know, and having the mindset that sometimes, you know, you need to just not not push those boundaries if your body isn't feeling it. You know, like if you're a recreational athlete and one day your squat feels awesome, sure, go ahead and max it out. Yep. But you know, if you're not hitting what you used to hit when you were trained to be a competitor, don't get bummed out about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, things are going to change and that's yeah. just how it works. Yeah. And that's been the biggest thing for me. And I think that's the hardest transition for a lot of people. Um, you know, it's just having realistic expectations like that. Yeah. I feel like on that, there's, there's this, there's a reality. And I think part of what's allowed for this to be a reality is that in the big scheme of things, CrossFit is still fairly new as a sport. It's not as new as it used to be, but like, we don't know what 20 years of CrossFit on the body does to somebody yet. Cause we're not 20 years in, like we don't know what all these guys, especially at the elite level, these guys and gals that have devoted their life to training and are able to compete at the CrossFit games. Like what are they going to be like in 20 years? Like, are, are they going to be injured or healthy or sick or like, burnt out or what like we're starting to at least see glimpses but i still think there's an element where it is a bit unknown um totally but i think there's also this element of it the sport side of crossfit uh needs to mature and i think maybe it's it's started to happen of like actually putting a season a season on it and actually putting like here's here's very clear cut directions of like, if you want to compete in the sport of CrossFit at a worldwide level, here's your options of how you can make it to the games. And for now, that's the only real stage that it's happening on. Um, mm-hmm. But more for like the, the everyday athlete who, you know, maybe competed locally or really likes going to classes and competing amongst other people or competing with themselves, like likes to, to push it in workouts um, I feel like there's a, a season coming where that's going to lose its fire if it hasn't already. Yeah. Thoughts on that? You see that as well or no? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think so. And I think you're starting to see that, um, already, you know, as, you know, recreational athletes who sort of pursued the intensive CrossFit path, their bodies start to break down just because, you know, they've been, they've done tens of thousands of reps Mm. without optimal form. You know, that's the big difference between, you know, the recreational people versus the higher level people is, you know, obviously the load and and intensity is a little bit different. Um, but you know, the movement quality, right? Like if you take somebody who hasn't worked out and they get into being, you know, competitive in CrossFit, even if they lose a bunch of weight and get in great shape in three, four, five years, they're still putting stress on their joints. You know, they're still not squatting optimally. They're not, you know, running correctly. You know, they're, they're kipping on their pull-ups when they didn't know that they had a torn rotator cuff. Right. Um, you know, that just gets worse and worse and worse. Um, you know, and I think that that's sort of what spurred has spurred that change towards like the functional bodybuilding with the, uh, 
you know, the, the more sort of just consistent cardio that you're sort of seeing a lot now. Mm. Um, that's a, a really common thing that I've been seeing more and more of is this, that reduced focus on intensity and more people doing functional bodybuilding with just like the, the low intensity, steady state cardio on top of that, yeah. you know, whether that be biking, rowing, you know, walking, lightly jogging, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that'll sort of come back into focus and almost go back to more like a bodybuilding sort of style of training, but in like a group sort of setting where, where you get the social atmosphere there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a big part. I think, uh, there is a reality where the, the group class structure side of CrossFit that I'm not going to say, I'm not going to try and pretend like CrossFit was the fitness avenue that created group class, but I will say this, it evolved the group class structure and feel of like initially when it came out, right? Like it was underground, it was against the grain, it was in a, you know, a warehouse with a roll up door and there's chalk and a dog on the floor and there's not cardio equipment to go hide on. And there's not people with, you know, earbuds in, uh, and it was intense and it was an hour and it was coach led and it was movement based. Like it, it evolved the group class as opposed to maybe I'm just giving an example, traditional, like a jazzercise class or a traditional, like Les Mills body pump, where it was more of, okay, everybody stand out there and follow the instructor. Uh, this was a much different evolution that that part to me, I don't think will ever die. Uh, at least in my yeah. lifetime, I think the, I think the group class model with elements of strength training and conditioning, okay, and even just to go super generic, I'll just say general strength training and general conditioning in a group setting that has a coach, that to me will not die in my lifetime. Like I'm very confident of that. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Some physical, like there's a benefit to that. Some are, you know, social to people like that, all the way down to the line of like, we're such a digitalized, disconnected world that like, especially feeling this in like the coronavirus now, one of the things that people miss the most about their gym is actually being next to people in like that participative community that is so hard to get your hands on now, even without the coronavirus, like unless you're part of like intramurals or something, I don't know, where do you go? Like the bar to like hang out with people that are similar, like life stages that you're at. I don't know. Like the gym is such a great place to do that. And it's also obviously beneficial to like your health and your well being, And you know, you won't suck at life as much. Like there's a reality of that. But to me, I'm like that side of that side of CrossFit. Uh, I don't think will die at least in, in my lifetime, but I do think, I think you're right. I think there's elements that are dying or, or will slowly die at least at, in most CrossFit micro gyms. Um, maybe not all there's still super successful, what I would call like highly competitive athlete driven gyms, um, that are much more of your like traditional six days in of training, hardcore CrossFits that have a strength and a skill and a Metcon and accessory work every day. And like way too much volume and probably too much intensity and, and they're still working for lack of a better description, they're still in business. People are still getting results from that. Uh, but I don't think that's the norm anymore. I think, th- I think yeah. it, I I've definitely seen this and I've, I made a shift even within rewired, uh, where we pivoted more that direction of 
recognizing that we love the group model, we love the coach model, but we also want to like, we want to be fit, sexy, 80 year old someday. And we also like want to be in the immediate future, like be able to get down on the floor, play with our kids and not be so sore and for training, not to like control our entire life. So like a different approach of adding some functional bodybuilding in and moving with tempo and more strict and time under tension and some more general uh, cardio as opposed to just like gross aggressive Metcons day in and day out where you're just passed out on your back at the end of every class. Like that's a really good way to burn people out really fast. Um, but it's interesting that you said that because I even think that that in itself is is a niche, right? In mm. that of people wanting to, you know, like I said, be sexy eighty year olds who play with their grandkids, right? For sure. I mean, but the the main element that is going to stick around is that social atmosphere. Yeah, and that's why you know you've seen the the main like the big boom of all these. I don't know. What, I call them like safe space CrossFit yeah. sort of knockoffs, right? You know, the different like boot camps and. You know, there's a, there's a one that has a lot of rowing that I won't, I won't plug on this one. You know, they do the rowing and the treadmills in a big group setting. That's very, Oh, bro, I, I could, I could go off for it. Like an orange theory, Barry's bootcamp, <laughs> F45 yeah. fit body. And like, dude, I, I'll be the first. I study those guys. Like I don't, I don't yeah. want to replicate their model. I don't, I'm, I'm not going yeah. to, but like, I want to learn from anybody that's been able to come into this space and traditionally you had like the traditional Globo gym, okay? And then you had CrossFit and there was not much white space in between. And you look at like Orange Siri found some white space and F45 basically repackaged Orange Siri and found some white space and is killing it. They're the fastest growing franchise yeah. in the world right now. You have things all the way down to like Eat the Frog and and Nine Round Boxing and Fit Body Boot Camp and Berries and there there's space there of like the globo gym wasn't really what we were looking for personal training really wasn't what we were looking for and not so much crossfit we kind of wanted something in in the middle i think there's a lot of consumers that naturally voted for that and it just happened to be that some really smart marketing gurus got ahead of that and found some white space and ran with it and are doing great uh totally and, and, and what's interesting about those is, you know, what I was saying, what I was looking to before is the, the most valuable thing that CrossFit sort of founded was that, that how, how important that community aspect is and how much people value that. Yeah. And these other um, businesses have come in and basically, uh, you know, built business models off of that, completely disregarding the other thing that CrossFit really valued, which was, you know, strength and fitness. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, sure, you can, you know, you can lose some weight, you can get your heart rate up doing a lot of the other ones. But I mean, you don't see a whole lot of people walking out of an Orange Theory gym who are just jacked. Right. right? Or like, you know, an F45 gym, you know, who are just like shredded, good looking people, you know, or of, of, of any age, right? But, you, you know, you go to a CrossFit gym and, you know, even the most average person you're like damn that person works out like you yeah. can tell yeah. you go to an orange theory gym you won't see that yeah. at all and it's it's you know and I've, I've had that argument with many uh other boutique gym goers where they'll explain to me like why crossfit's dumb and what they're doing is way better and i'm like all i know is that you know i look like me <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I got results from what i'm doing sure you always ask me about what i do to work out but you refuse to acknowledge that what i do obviously works because it's too hard but sure. you like the social aspect so if, if that's what's important to you then you got to do that yeah but, dude and i think I'll, I'll be the first to admit 
Orange Theory gets, I got to give them their props. They do a phenomenal job reaching the person who's looking to start their fitness. Okay, mm. Like from off the couch to, okay, they have great branding. They have great marketing. Um, they attract people really well. They do a phenomenal job of like low barrier to entry fitness. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not going to say it's like, you know, dumb or no one should go do that or anything. They do a better job than almost anyone as far as on a macro level of getting people in their doors and moving. Now mm-hmm. there's a catch to that though. It's one of the reasons why their average client doesn't last more than 12 months. And in my opinion, if you're not in a big enough market, that becomes a really big problem just on, mm-hmm. on the business side, but also because of the fitness side of like a lot of people like, come on, I, I guarantee you, you know, a ton of people that would fit this avatar. They were really out of shape. They didn't really do much about it. They're a young professional to middle-aged folk. Okay. And they joined Orange Theory. They did it for like six, nine, 12 months. They did lose some weight. They got some better cardio. But now they need something more because they're getting diminishing returns. Like, yeah. dude, I, I loved when, when Orange Theory came to the north side. I was like, hey, that's not a competitor. I know the guy that owns it. He's a great dude. Won't say anything bad about him. I won't make fun of people that go to Orange Theory. I won't knock it. But I, what I will say is I know that their avatar client eventually will look to evolve their fitness. And that's where I think Rewired steps in. And one of the big yeah, differences totally. is because we do strength training. Like at some point, I think as people evolve a little more in their understanding of training and they they get off the couch, they get on a rower, they do some cardio, they do some light dumbbell work, they get to a point where they're like, all right, I lost some weight, but like I got to, I got to get some muscle at some point in order for this to keep going. Like I can't just Mm -hmm. get skinny fat. Like that's not going to work. And on a pure biological, physiological level, it doesn't work, let alone like I think people psychologically know that at some point they got to start doing some resistance training. Uh... And that's honestly where I look at us. I'm like, sweet. Uh, we, we get a lot of people that fit that, that come and find us. They're like, well, I used to do Orange Theory. I got great results for like a year, but then I just kind of stopped getting results. And I don't really know. I, I, maybe I should just go run more. And I'm like, no, no. We need to have a conversation about how that's the exact opposite of what you need to do. You need to start lifting. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, it's, it's interesting to me of like how these little micro gyms have all kind of found their niche. And we're at a point now where like, People get to pick. Uh, we're in, dude, even 15 to 20 years ago, you either kind of went to a Globo gym or you're like, you didn't work out. There wasn't really a lot else available. Now it's like, dude, we've got niches of niches of niches where, I mean, there's, even in a, a city like Spokane, there's, you know, there's so, so many different type of gyms to choose from. And you go to a major metropolitan city, like, you live in downtown Seattle, dude, you could pick from hundred different types of gyms if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fascinating. Crazy, I love the fitness yeah, industry. You're right though. It appeals to people who need to, they need to get in shape before they can get in shape. Sure. Right. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't realize that they think they can go from, you know, couch to Jack athlete in, you know, a, a very short period of time. It's like, no, you kind of have to have a basic level before you can even start training in a way that's going to get you there. Yeah. You know, Yep. Um, this, and then, and it's, it's interesting, but yeah. So, I mean, I guess back to the, you know, original question as well. Um, you know, the, uh, that primary difference on that, on that mental shift. So then I guess for, you know, a recreational athlete versus a competitive athlete, um, 
you know, how should they view things like, you know, orange theory uh, along with their, uh, you know, like their CrossFit training that they're doing. Right. Like, obviously I know as a, as a competitive athlete, it doesn't make sense, you know, to even think about stuff like that necessarily. It's just unnecessary volume on your body. You know, when you should be spending that time recovering things like that. But for somebody that's like a recreational athlete, you know, not necessarily those programs, but those more cardio focused, mm. um, sort of workouts, you think that those are, are pertinent to more recreational athletes for general health or is it, should the training be mostly on like the, the, the functional bodybuilding and the weight training? It's a great question. I think, uh, the best answer that I could, that I could deliver would be this. It depends on what the athlete's goals are and where they're currently at. You know, I think there's got to be at least a minimal level of, of assessment there for that athlete of, uh, okay, what, what are you training for and where are you currently at? And if that's, you know, based on that, that's where training needs to meet the athlete. Um, now on top of that, there obviously comes with a lot of other parameters too, that a lot of people don't talk about in this space. Like, well, what's your budget allow? What's your schedule allow? What are your preferences? Like I'll be the first one to admit, and I think you'd be probably a good person to be able to chat about this with. To build someone's optimal fitness, personalized programming is the winner by far. Mm-hmm. Like it, to meet someone where their ability specifically ends and deliver programming to help take them further than that, personalized programming called individual design, whatever, is the best, like as far as science goes, way to deliver that. But that might not work for their budget or their personality or their schedule or their equipment access or their location in their city, whatever. It might be uh, someone that's like, yeah, but there's this, you know, there's this gym right next to me and I can go and uh, I like their class times or I like their people or I like this style. Like when I, when I have that conversation with somebody, one of the things I will always ask is like, could you do it long term? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's a big part. That's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, when someone says, well, I'm going to do this six week challenge or I'm going to do P90X or I'm going to do Insanity. And my question is always, is that something you think you could do long term? Because mm-hmm. uh, I think that's a big element of it is it needs to meet the athlete on a lot of different parameters, but it also needs to be something they can sustain, you know, yep. uh, which I feel like those get overlooked for some reason. And I've never really understood that if that's just consumer psychology. Uh, but those are think, really like, important. Yeah. Like, I think that's a big part of it. You know, I, I, I always like the, the thought that the best, you know, people always say, what's the best way to train? The best way to train is the one that you can stick with, you know, on a regular 100%. basis. Dude, Whether I, that be, you know, stick with it financially, stick with it in terms of time, stick with it in terms of like how your body holds up. Whatever you can do consistently for the longest period of time will get you the best results. Now, it's interesting. You had made this comment before um, of like what has clearly worked for you, right? And Mm -hmm. like talking to your friends where they're like they're not willing to do that. Uh, And I always come back to this. You know, one of the reasons why I think like if you just walk into any class at Rewired when we're not under quarantine and things are under normal operations, like people look fit and healthy and happy. And we've got – ages from teenagers to like mid seventies and the general average person, when you look at them, like they look pretty fit and they look good. Uh, and part of why that, and now 
I'm not going to pretend like I'm so biased. Say, well, it's because our, you know, our programming, our training is superior to everything else. I'm not that arrogant. But one thing I will say that I think works, it's because we can keep people for a really long time. Exactly. It's 100%. like, I feel like no one's talking about that part. Like you went to this really cool, like personal trainer for six weeks and you got great results, but like, are, are you going to be able to sustain that forever? Okay. Now, maybe not. Are, you know, you found this like really cool eight week challenge online and like, that's awesome. But like, dude, you need to think about what is something where it might not even be your absolute favorite fit, but you're like, I like this enough. It's like my, my better option for lack of a better term, but I could probably do it for a year or two. Like if, if mm-hmm. you're looking at gym choices or programming choices or whatever, and you're like, I think I could do this one long term, always, always, always go with that one. Cause if you can't do it long term, it's not going to work anyways. Yeah. I think, yeah, the long-term aspects, people get hung up because people want things so quick. Mm. Do, do you know who Mike Israel is? He's one of the yes. CEOs of RP Strength. Yep. So he's, he's a, a big-time bodybuilder guy as well. But I remember he did like a Q&A, like it was a long time ago, and somebody said, you know, what is the key to getting as jacked as possible? And he said, lift weights from varying angles using full ranges of motion for a decade or more. That's a if great you do those answer. Things, I guarantee you will get jacked. That's a great <laughs> answer. Like legitimately, yeah. that's a great answer. Yeah. And he said emphasis on the decade or more. It's like you do these yeah. things consistently for a long period of time. That has a difference between people that you know are fit and jacked and people that are not. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. I think uh, a good time maybe to pivot to the second question that came up over Instagram. Uh Something that the recreational fitness goer needs to do more of, but isn't. Let's start with that. Yeah. So, um, the recreational fitness goer needs to do more of, I mean, that's such a, such a good question. Cause I mean, the the problem with fitness, health and fitness is the first answer. It's always, well, it depends, right? Totally. (laughs) You know, it, it depends on where the person's at right now, like, you know, where their strengths and weaknesses are. I mean, I think that if you go really, uh, really broad, I think of what most people need to do. I mean, honestly, the super boring answer is most people probably need to sleep more yeah, and they probably need to eat better more often, more consistently. Yep. Right. Um, if you have those things dialed down, um, and you're getting into your, your workout stuff. Um, I think that, you need to do more like low intensity stuff for a lot of people, like being at the CrossFit space um, and more focus on, on movement quality um, and less focus on numbers. Yeah. Um, I think those would be the sort of big things that would, you know, a lot of people in the CrossFit space would need to sort of shift towards. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, interesting um, that we would same thought on, on the initial part would be my first answer would be sleep. Like and, and or recover, you know, I look at those as yeah. very interlinked. Sleep is like the king of recovery. Uh, mm-hmm. But what's funny is I feel like when I have this conversation, uh, you know, with an athlete, with a member, with a, a friend over the internet, whatever, like, hey, like, what's like, what's like one of the most overlooked things that I should do? And I tell them sleep, and they're like, yeah, but what else? Yeah, like, well, <laughs> no, they okay. want to hear you say, you know, oh, you should do more, more banded pull aparts. It'll develop your your yeah. rear rear delts right oh it's like oh you should do more ab work yep. it'll make you more stable they, they want 
to know more stuff that they could do where sleeping feels like less. Well, right? should I, should I buy a Theragun or a TENS unit for my recovery? I don't, are you sleeping six hours a night? Then it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I heard, I heard pre-workout helps a ton. I don't know. Are you sleeping four hours a night and strung out on coffee all day? Then pre-workout's not what you need. Yeah, I know. No kidding. A lot of those, like those top coaches, I heard Ben Bergeron talk about this a lot, that if they have athletes that, um, you know, they're, they're doing for like a full day of training and they slept poorly the night before, it's like, cool, we're not training today. It, Simple as that. It's honestly more beneficial. Yeah. Like legitimately. Yeah, like, you know, go rest, go get caught up on sleep. Don't even worry about doing anything. You yeah. know, just sleep better tomorrow and we can hit the workouts tomorrow. Yeah. Consider that your workout for today. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, you, you RX. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, inside the gym, as far as inside of training, what would you pick for maybe one of your answers? So I think for most people, um, they don't do enough, I guess, in terms of just like general uh, like strength. I think they don't do enough like mid-back work. Yeah. Um, and uh, they don't do enough posterior chain work in general. Mm. You know, everyone does a lot of pushing um, and also to – people don't do enough lateral work, which is, you know, something that I'm now trying to catch up on after neglecting that for eight years, everything was forward and backwards. And now, you know, I move laterally with the same grace as like a hippo. Um, (laughs) so it's not, not optimal at all. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, horizontal pulling, um, you know, glute hamstring development's a big one, especially because people, for people with back pain and then, yeah, lateral movement Mm. stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I, I think, you know, obviously there's multiple answers that would all be super valid. I just love hearing, uh, I would say well-rounded and educated coaches and, and why they say their answer, you know, is, is a good reason too. I think for me, I mean, I could pick several, but I, I would come back to like, um, need to build your base for slower and longer than you would like to before you try and build up of totally. like, like fixing gaps, right. Of like, I think that, you know, like the classic, the classic situation of, um, someone who forgoes this specific muscle area or this specific movement pattern, but gets really good at everything else. I'm like, Hey, Hey, it's like, slow it down, back it up. Even the best in the world, fix their gaps, like slow down and fill those gaps of like looking for just being semi proportionate. Now this is assuming we're talking to the general fitness goer, right? Not the like specialized athlete. Cause that would be a very different story. But like, yeah. so like, so my, my buddy who's the strength and conditioning coach for, he's been for like us men's women's ski team, Canadian soccer team. Like his goal is to get them extremely specialized. Like he wants massive mm-hmm. hip flexors in his soccer players and he could care less if they have jack biceps. Like doesn't matter. Then you'll yeah. run for a long time and kick really hard and move extremely well under agility and stress. Like they're soccer players. That's their goal. And he trains the goalie different than the forwards, different than defenders, but that's specialized training in my world. And what we're specifically talking about is general fitness. So like, you know, the average person trying to be healthier than the average American build the base. Like if that's as simple as like, okay, like you need to drop some pounds first before we really work on a lot of gymnastics or, uh, you have amazing quad strength. You have pathetic hamstrings. Like you need to just take a piece of humility and like dial back and work on getting your hamstrings caught up or you're going to develop back issues. Uh, I think one you brought up that that's crazy to me how common this is 
uh, especially in CrossFitters, is mid-back. And, and, you know, we do obviously yeah. – traditional CrossFit programming, right, does a lot of vertical pulling and pushing. So, like, for those listening, like a lot of overhead work, pull-ups and pressing and movements where they're going straight up, straight down with their arms, whether they're pushing something or pulling themselves, but it's vertical. Mm-hmm. And they do a lot of movements off the floor, uh, specifically like picking up barbells off the floor and a lot of explosive work off the floor. But there's that, that mid part of the back where you look at like, it's to me. Um, I feel like I see this more when I like, when I'm traveling and I drop into gyms and you see like the Jack dudes with their shirts off or the Jack girls, like in the sports bar or whatever. And you see like these massive shark fin lumbars and these like giant shoulders and traps, but their mid back looks like skinny and weak. And I'm like, dude, like, yeah. no wonder you fold when you do a heavy clean. Like, you, you don't have strong enough stability in your mid-back to hold the loads that your shoulders and low back can. Like, you just you need to find balance there. And it probably just means slowing down and doing some accessory work and getting that caught up. But, like, that comes back to, like, even at elite levels, like, keep building your base. Like, I would, Louis, Louis Simmons' quote is so good. A pyramid is only as tall as its base. And as athletes and humans, like we're the exact same thing. We're not an exception to that. Um, and it, it's interesting to me of like that, that in the, even in the, I would say average fitness goer world that usually doesn't get worked on until it's become a problem, you know, which is exactly yeah, nice. it's unfortunate, but I feel like it's a reality. Yeah, and I think that's one of the, the big differences, too, between going back to the first question even of being a competitive athlete and a recreational athlete is, you know, addressing those those imbalances, you know, even though they might lead to an immediate drop in performance, right? For sure. And, you know, like if that, that's, a, that's another great answer to, you know, stuff you should be doing more of in terms of that body maintenance. Like when you have, you know, a little ache or pain that's starting to uh, – starting to act up right unless you have this like you know an, an oh shit moment like where you're mm-hmm. like oh i did this and like my knee gave out and now i tore something right if you just like something that has gradually come on over time it's probably because of some sort of imbalance that's going on in your yeah. movement patterns yeah. you know so people need to spend more time addressing those as they start and not being like you know i've started to get any pain but i'm going to keep on my you know small off seven by seven squat cycle just because i mentally committed to doing it three weeks ago it's like maybe you shouldn't do that maybe you should figure out why your knees are hurting you know this is the perfect time to like look at things like individual design you know or like you know get, get a movement assessment from a coach and sort of figure out what the issue might be yeah. and start addressing those right um and you know because the last thing you want is to have to go about your day with everything you know below hip level in your fridge being unacceptable because you can't bend <laughs> at the waist because you deadlifted like a jackass for you know three hours. It's so true. And it's, you know, it's, it's interesting to me because it's not, um, I don't think it's easy for a lot of athletes, members of a gym, whatever to like, to take a minute and be like, wow, I I know I'm really weak there, but they kind of just like, it's one of those things you like shove down in between like the seat cushions of your car and you just kind of pretend it's not there until it like starts to smell and your car is all of a sudden gross. Like, (laughs) It's, yeah. it's better off just to address it out of the gate of like, I love, I love like when someone is like newer to the gym or whatever. And they're like, I know I've got weak this, that, and that, you know, and they like openly tell me out of the gate. It's, it's easier to get that person to admit it and work on it than it is the like, 
someone who's been doing this for five years and they're like, yeah, but like IRX workouts. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't mean you're perfect. Like you still have gaps to work on. Uh, yeah. It's amazing how hard it is though to, to get people to do that, right? Because the stuff's never sexy. It's never fun. No. I mean, I, I can count, God, triple digits probably the number of times I've been asked like, oh, you know, I have this little, you know, injury like going on like my shoulder my knee whatever what are some things that might be able to help that and you show them some stuff and you're like yeah just do this like a couple times a week you know it'll it'll take like less than two minutes 99% of the time they don't do it (laughs) like ever yeah you know at at, you know it gets to a point was like i'm just i'm just trying to i guess flex that i kind of know what i'm talking about i'm not really expecting you to do this (laughs) sure yeah (laughs) makes me feel good just being able to provide a potential solution yeah yeah, I think uh, on that same question that was asked, what is something that the regular gym goer should stop doing? Um, so I think that they should, like in my mind, I, I think the big thing is is stop uh, comparing yourself to others Ooh, as much. That's a good one. Um, you know, and like I think that's the biggest one in terms of you know your times, your scores, um, you know, what you look like, what other people are eating, what they're doing, you know, and, and just find what works for you. I think that, you know, when you're a little bit more competitive, those things, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at what your competitors are doing, right. To try and find out if they have some secret or whatever, or something that is working for them that could work really well for you. But I think if you're recreational, um, it should really be more of an intensive focus on, you know, what works for you and your schedule and are you happy with yourself and mm-hmm. how things are going? And if not, then that's an internal problem you need to address so that you can get to that point. Yep. And, you know, I can say this from experience. If there's somebody else that, you know, you feel like you would feel better about yourself and if you were like them, if you do get like them, you won't feel any better about yourself. You're still the same <laughs> person. <laughs> you know, you still have yeah. the same insecurities. Wherever you go, you know? there you are, my friend. Exactly yeah. right. But I think that's that's a really big one that, recreational people need to stop doing for sure. Yeah. I think that that's really good advice too. That's really good advice. I think obviously there's a lot that we could pick. Um, one for me would be, um, like, I don't know what the best term would be, but like, uh, going in waves. I feel like it like kind of like yo-yo dieting when it comes to the fitness world, right. Of like, like don't train super hard in January for like eight to 12 weeks and then let it go for two months and then train again because summer's coming and then let it go in the fall. And then like, like I would say stop finding yourself in a pattern that's not consistent. Now what I'm, I'm not saying is like there, there doesn't mean that it's, you know, there are times where it's okay to peak a little more and maintain a little more. Sure. Like that's just reality and that's how we live and how we work. But like, if you can legitimately do three days a week at the gym and you could do that all year, you are so much better off than like, well, I'm going to do two days in January and then maybe I'll cut it back to six or seven workouts a week in February. And like by March, you're not even doing anything like the person that for the whole year just goes three times a week. Cause they're like, I can do that. I can, I can sustain that. Maybe occasionally I drop in on a fourth, but like I pretty much just work out at the gym three times a week and might go for a walk on the weekends. Like if you could do that for a year for the average fitness goer, you will get much better results and just feel a lot better than this freaking mm-hmm. roller coaster of yo-yo fitness attempts. 
Totally. Yeah. That consistency word, right? Like that's, oh, that's man. the key to everything in life really, yep. you know, be that business, you know, fitness, you know, your relationship, whatever you want to your finances. Yep. Like it's always just sort of knowing what you want to get and making that your focus. You yeah. know, like if, if you want to get big, focus on getting big, right. Yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta eat that way. You've got to train that way. You gotta do that. If you want to, you know, get really good at running blooms day, make that your focus. Don't worry about doing like a squat cycle in the middle of that. Right. You know, just cause you're worried about your quads going away. It's like, well, you don't really want to be that good at blooms day. You know, right. if you're really worried about that. Right. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to, people always try to build too many bridges. Like there's an analogy I've always heard of, like there was an, an island that's like, that's where all your success is. You know, there's success island and you're on, on this side of the river. Everyone always tries to build 15 bridges at once mm. to get to success island. But if you just built one bridge, you get there significantly faster and you'd actually breach there at some point. You wouldn't just always be building new bridges. Dude, that's great wisdom right there. I mean, that, that principle alone would apply to every aspect of life, even beyond training. You know, that's good. That's really good. Love it. Uh, Mike, I think you guys are actually the ones that came up with this. So uh, something I've been trying to do with anybody that's on the podcast is anytime we end an episode, we give you an opportunity to shout out uh, a local business here in Spokane. Um, I kind of want to do two for you today since this is a unique one. Uh, shout out a, I would say a, a member of the rewired community that you just want to say like, Hey, hope you're doing well. Miss you. Loved coaching you back in the day, all that good stuff. And then second, we'll finish up with the local business you want to give a shout out to. Oh man. I'll um, put you on the spot. I mean, I, I'm just thinking about all that, all my past four five and six o'clock crew that I used to coach all the time. You know, I think about everyone in there regularly, you know, I occasionally see them on, on Saturday mornings. I hope everyone there is doing good. And I haven't been able to contact most of you other in this whole thing. So yeah, you know, just everyone in that, that afternoon group that I used to coach on a regular basis. Um, and, uh, I guess for local business to shout out, um, trying to think what business I used to go to back in the old times. (laughs) It was years ago. (laughs) Yeah. It feels that way. Doesn't it? Um, I mean, thinking of local businesses, I mean, Madison and I are big restaurant people. Yep. Um, everyone who's had my class probably heard me mention that restaurant ruins right down on Monroe, right by the jail. We, we miss that place horribly. We used to go there all the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll shout out that, but if you haven't been there yet, it's on, uh, just up from Kendall Yards, right on Monroe street, funny little building, never even know it was there if you weren't looking for it but it's been on you know all sort of different food tv shows stuff like that um but yeah shout out that place dude ruins is awesome small like 20 ish people can maybe eat there at a time if that yeah Yeah, i mean small little spot yeah it's kind of a weird spot like you know service isn't great like you'll get like when you order food it'll come out like these random intervals Um, you know, it's kind of like a grimy little area, but it's a place that's run by the chefs. Their food's awesome. Yep. Um, you know, it's not crazy expensive, especially for the quality and they pour real stiff drinks and yeah. good cocktails. Yeah. So that's, that's a, your jam. It's good that's place a to bonus go right there. Yeah. Um, and I got, we got one more question too. I meant to text you about this. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm going to throw this at you. Yeah. Um, cause we thought this would be a great one for the, uh, for the podcast is very neutral as well. You could have a superpower. Any superpower 
what would it be? It can be a conventional, non-conventional. You can make up superpower right now. It would be to have a vaccine for the coronavirus. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, outside of that, um, dude, I, I, this is going to be a classic one. I think flying would be like the coolest thing ever. Like just being yeah. able to like get up and go and like fly wherever you want to and like not – like A, you can go wherever you want and like, you know, you don't have to wait for traffic. Like that would be cool. But like just be able to like fly and like feel that free fall. Like the moments I've had where, you know, I went skydiving once and I was like to be able to like do this but not die would be pretty awesome <laughs> just like on command. So that's my – you know, I probably had that answer since childhood and I'm going I'm to stick with it. Yeah, I like it. What about you? Out of curiosity. Um, I guess for me, it would be like if I could see into the future, but like not so far ahead that it's, you know, that you're doing, uh, you know, like like the self-fulfilling prophecy sort of sure. thing, right? Where, you know, it might have not happened. But like if you could see in the future, like 10 seconds. Yeah. Right. So I, I could, you know, if I was going to say something in a conversation, I could hear what the result was going to be before yeah. I said it. Yeah. You know? I think every husband um, ever probably wishes they had that superpower. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, good. Like I like that. hindsight, you know? Yeah. But even if you could get yeah. like, if you could get like a text message or a note, like a minute ahead of a bad decision. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, hold on. <laughs> Don't do this. Yeah. Wow, I like it. That'd be good. I think if I could have a fitness one, it'd be like eat whatever I want and be shredded. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, there's people who already have that. I know. That's, you know I did not get that gene. Uh, you know, did not get that gene, uh, which is, you know, unfortunate. But that's okay. Just means you got to work out and eat better. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <for> <laughs> But yeah, man, appreciate it. This was fun, buddy. Yeah. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Rewired Fitness Co. Hope you enjoyed this episode with Mike. Can't wait to drop the next one with you, bud. Take care. Cool. Thanks, Adam.